Zero Hour Talks is produced by Goal 17, storytellers for the common good. everyone. This is Jamie, co-founder of Zero Hour Youth Climate Action Organization, and we are firing up the Zero Hour podcast, Zero Hour Talks, where the youth behind this youth climate organization are going to be talking to you about all sorts of different issues and engaging the community. So right now, we have a lot of interesting things to talk about because we are at a very, shall I say, interesting time in history right now. And um, with me here today are two Zero Hour co-founders. I'll let them introduce themselves. Hi, everyone. This is Zanaji Artis. I'm a founder of Zero Hour. I'm from Connecticut, 20 years old, and I'm in my second year at Brown University. Hi, I'm Nadia Nazar. I'm in the Baltimore area. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm 17 years old, and I'm the co-founder of Zero Hour, as well as the co-executive director and art director. And we are here together um, to talk about what's happening with the coronavirus pandemic and with everything, um, everyone has been having to stay home, quarantine. A lot of place, a lot of places are considering doing a shelter-in-place rule, uh, which means everyone would have to stay home, and that's what people are doing anyway. And so it's a really lonely time, at least for me. We're in online school right now, so I just had to like call in via conference call to talk with all my my fellow students and teachers and it's just been a very bizarre lonely time and we at zero hour had to um postpone we were going to host a bus tour march 20th through 30th of 2020 throughout the midwest vote for a future tour um but we had to postpone that because of this virus and so a lot of things have been falling through a lot of events for me have been falling through and it's just it's been really difficult for a lot of folks. So I think we should talk about it and how, um, and I guess, you know, what our coping mechanisms are, what we're doing and how people are being affected. Yeah, definitely. So for me, I'm actually in college, um, as I said, and we've been told that we are going home for the rest of the semester. And so our spring break has been extended. We have the next two weeks off, but Following that, we'll be doing all of our classes via Zoom, which is very familiar to us as activists, of course, because we do all of our meetings on Zoom. But it's definitely not the college experience that I wanted. I think it's really interesting how we in the movement are shifting um, forces in communication, because for us specifically, we're not really communicating in any other way, because we've always communicated really through Zoom and um, through like online platforms and not through a physical way. So for us at zero hour specifically, it hasn't changed, but it doesn't mean that our personal lives haven't ch- hasn't changed. Like Zanaji said, like he had to go home and now he's gonna be home for the rest of his college like semester. Um, for me specifically, there's been uh, like some bit of like worry around um, seniors in high school and like, will they be able to go and attend their graduation and prom and like, the stuff that um, seniors have been looking forward to for like years and years. And so it's like interesting um, dealing with that dynamic and seeing how everybody in the world has different issues that they're facing and everyone's issues are valid, but they are like arguably of, um, of different size. You have some people actually like battling to survive and battling to fight the coronavirus and other people are worried about, you know, um, an event that got canceled or postponed like us. Yeah. So it's interesting to think of that dynamic, how, um, the world is right now. 
Yeah, and I would say though, I don't know what the saying is or the science, but there is some sort of official saying, but it's like, just because other people have it worse than you doesn't mean that what you're going through, that, that, that something that you've been looking forward to all this time, it doesn't mean that it's not valid that you're disappointed in it. Like you can know other people have it worse and still be sad about prom being potentially canceled, you know, as something that, or, or, or like, I, I genuinely hope I don't have to Skype in graduate. Like, what is this going to be like? You put on our caps and gowns online. Like I genuinely, I hope that, you know, th- there's a worry of like the existential worry for like the people who really, really, I, I know a lot of folks who have been messaging me. I've had to like, lately my Instagram story has been just like swipe up to donate. So this person can get health or swipe up to donate. So this person can pay their rent. And so it's like, the government isn't properly taking care of their citizens. And I have a lot of friends who either have chronic illnesses, have the virus, um, have immunodeficiencies, their parents can't work from home, they can't work from home. And it's like, this is like, like Nadia was saying, like a really hard, like existentially hard time for a lot of people. And so Nadia is right, there are different levels. But I guess what I'm trying to say is like, even if you're someone who isn't really you know, your family can still hold down a job, you can still pay your rent, you can still eat food, you're fine in that sense, you don't have the disease. It's still like, it's still okay to, to feel sad. And I guess be disappointed and, and not feel guilty about, you know, I know, Nadia, you were working really hard on a play that got postponed. And like, you know, it's fine to be sad about that. But we do obviously have to put the greater good first, and be there for the people who this isn't just a sad inconvenience for but who this is, like Nadia said, an existential threat for a lot of folks out on the streets, for a lot of folks who are pregnant, for a lot of people who have immunodeficiencies or can't pay their rent or are undocumented. And I know a lot of those people and they're really scared. My mom works at a food bank, which is a very interesting time for them right now. Um, And, you know, she works with a lot of elderly folks who are just like calling her about how scared they are. They don't want to go outside. They're just terrified. Um, And a lot of them are elderly, low income folks of color. So that's a really scary, you know, experience in general, especially when they're like a lot of first generation immigrants who this English isn't even their native, um, not first generation, just plain old immigrants um, that my mom works with. That She's an immigrant herself, but she's not elderly. Yeah, it's just a really scary time. And I hear my mom's coworkers who are like elderly and on the phone, you know, like, I don't know what to do. I don't want to go outside. I'm not going to come into work today. I'm just too scared. So that's really been hard. I definitely think that this whole situation really makes me reflect on community and what home is. I think that having to, you know, be uprooted from college and my new life there has really made me think about well, where is home for me and what does that look like for people who don't have somewhere to go back to? And I think that right now this virus is highlighting a lot of issues that we have in our country right now, whether it's addressing homelessness, food security, access to healthcare, all these different issues are being highlighted by this virus. But I do think that one thing is certain from what we've seen from a lot of the news around it, and that's that we are a community. We can come together. We will overcome this issue. And We've seen that from people supporting people, getting groceries for them, um, staying at home, actually self-quarantining to prevent the spread of this virus. Yeah, and I think that that's something that at least I learned from youth climate organizing, building community, even in places where I am not physically with people. 
we organized for an entire year, multiple years now, um, for the environmental justice movement through Zoom. And none of us are really geographically close to each other at all. And I think that shows that we can still have community even when we are self-quarantining in our own homes. Yeah, so as Zanaji said, like community, people can come together in times of crisis. And I think we're seeing how people should be reacting to the climate crisis and seeing how people need to be taking precautions and living life um, in a certain way that would change how we live in society. And I saw a recent post online that was saying like, this is how society should be reacting to climate change. Like we're seeing that there's less like air pollution now and that there's less this and this because there are certain like industries that aren't being supported as much. And we are seeing that, that change and really seeing the people power, people power in this and what like education and connectivity and like putting another person's life in front of yours can do for society. And I think that's something, this is something we need to reflect on for the climate crisis. I think it's interesting, like Nadia said, a lot of the, okay, so the reason why people are quarantining is not because we think everyone's going to drop dead because of this virus, but because we don't want to be carriers of it. Like, I think everyone on this, like, at least the youth on this call, you know, we would be fine if, if we got it, but then we would be carriers who would give it to people who wouldn't be fine. And maybe, I don't know, I don't want to assume, maybe people on this call wouldn't be fine. Uh, maybe people on this pod, uh, I'm talking about amongst the young people, there are a lot of folks who have different immunodeficiencies um, and different diseases and pre-existing conditions. So I don't want to assume anything, but for a lot of people, what people are putting their entire lives on hold for strangers. You know, maybe a lot of people don't know anyone immunodeficient or don't know anyone with any diseases or aren't close to any elderly people, but are still quarantining themselves so that they don't spread it to a stranger. And so it's like this inherent human kindness that I guess I like to remind myself when I'm really bummed about literally having to be in my house all day. I remind myself like, I'm doing this for people. I do have people, a lot of people in my life who, who would, who I am scared for because they actually are vulnerable to this disease. But um, there, you know, it kind of comforts me a little bit, or at least reminds me that it, I, I believe humans are mostly good, because most people are putting their lives on hold for folks that aren't themselves, for people they don't know. And it's like that whole thing, I think it was Bernie Sanders who said it, like, let's go fight for people we don't know. And that's really what's what's happening. And I think it's not about this being a good thing because obviously, you know, so many people are out of work. So many things that people were looking forward to were like, you know, life has come to a halt, but you can find silver linings or I guess find, I guess, the beauty of humanity and the compassion of humanity shining through. Um, but then also it's kind of exposed all the faults in our system and all these things like progressives fight for, like healthcare, accessible food, a safety net. All those things are now needed. And I hear people, it's like, I saw this tweet that was funny. It's like, the government will now be providing human rights thanks to the coronavirus, terms and conditions apply. Um, and it was pretty much saying is like, now, you know, people are understanding the need for like social safety nets and things like that. But not often, you know, the most vulnerable people are getting it, getting that access. And so all of our societies, both strengths are being showed as people will go shopping for an elderly person they don't really know who was in a car parked, there was a story online of like this girl who saw these elderly folks looking stressed in their car and they're like, I'm scared to go in the store. So she went out and did their shopping for them. Um, but then you're also seeing folks who are 
who have small businesses that they have to close and that's their only source of income. People who are quarantined who have no source of income. People who are, so we're seeing both the best and worst parts of society. The best being the kindness of strangers and the worst being it exposes how governments and companies and everyone should be taking care of people and how they're actually not taking care of their people that they should be. Yeah, and I just want to go off the point that you made about fighting for someone you don't know. And I think that that is so powerful, especially for people who are in healthcare work right now. People who are going to the hospital every day as nurses and doctors, whatever job that they have at that hospital, to make sure that people get the care that they need and risking their own lives to do this work. And I think that that is so powerful. I also think we can draw a connection to the youth in the climate movement. We are putting our lives on hold to fight for a livable future for our generation. And we are a small fraction of the population. And we are fighting for the future of everyone that we don't know. Because we think that this is so important and we know that if we don't address this problem, then we will have irreparable damage to the environment. And I also, I saw a video on Instagram a few days ago um, from people in Italy um, talking about a letter that they would write to themselves 10 days ago. Uh, so this was a letter addressed to their themselves 10 days ago, what they would have appreciated knowing before. And they talked about how they would have told themselves not to underestimate this issue. And they would have told themselves to self-quarantine earlier and make sure that they had the necessary resources at home that they would need. And I don't want to have to do that for climate change. We cannot have this be a retroactive problem that we address once it's here. It's already here, right? But it can't get worse. We can't wait till it gets to the worst possible imaginable scenario to address it. One thing that had to be postponed for um, us specifically and something that I was working on was the the Earth Day strikes. And um, not necessarily postponed, we decided that we were going to do like a digital strike day. But um, I think it's interesting how a lot of activism is being taken online and we're seeing like, how can we make the activism that was supposed to be physical and in real life go online and take space online and educate people online? And we're having a lot of conversations around that currently and seeing how can we organize um, in times of crisis. And someone even said, like, someone said on a call I was on that, um, this is the type of shutdown that we activists are always, like, trying to do. There's so many activists, like, we as activists are trying to always shut down the system and now, like, systems like are being shut down and systems are being like they're like not functioning in a, in a way that we are normally used to and it's like as activists now that we see that shutdown like what are we going to do like how are we going to um support in ways i think it's kind of hard for me to convey that message of of that of that shutdown but like thinking what can we do in our organizing world to make sure that we get through this together and that we're leaders and that we're not like panicking, but that we're taking the right steps to to lead our communities forward and, and make sure everybody's safe, but also 
make sure that we're going to keep organizing around the climate crisis and that we're going to continue to get people to get out to vote. Yeah. And this is something that um, that I've been thinking about is like coronavirus has been able to disrupt business as usual. And no matter what business as usual is disrupted about, whether it be the climate crisis or whatever. And in this case, business as usual has been disrupted. You know, before like what the Australia fires and stuff, maybe in different communities, business was like disrupted. But for all these climate disasters, the world keeps turning. Shows keep happening. The show must go on and it does. In this case, the show is not going on. It stopped. And so it's eerie because it's like, this is what we need for the climate, but in a completely different way. You know, in the climate, we wouldn't have to quarantine, but the show does have to stop and then revamp. The problem is the thing that I'm worried about is that people are just, they see this as a standalone issue, but but this feeling of like the system, something is deeply wrong. People are really hurt. Something is just wrong. That's what we wanted people to feel about climate change. And that's what we need them to, because let's be honest, once this coronavirus thing wraps up, the climate crisis is going to cause so many more crises like this where the world has to get shut down. First of all, the permafrost is melting, which is going to release all sorts of fun viruses that um, and bacteria that are under the permafrost that, that our immune systems haven't dealt with in thousands of years. So we could have some serious plagues on our hands scientifically pretty soon so this is gonna be a new normal unless we really act on the climate crisis and you know this is something that i've taken to write a lot about and publish a lot about is that we have to take this find the silver lining obviously people are getting hurt but business as usual has been stopped everyone is now even if it's not because of climate change everyone isn't going about their lives like everything is okay people are awake for a different reason than we want them to be awake, but something they feel like something's wrong, everything is stopped, the show is not going on. So then how do we get them to understand? And this is hopefully because everyone's on Twitter and online now, get them to understand that this is the kind of urgency that we need around the climate crisis. If the media reported on the climate crisis like it did the coronavirus, if it was constantly in the headlines, if they're reporting on it like an emergency, if it was treated like the emergency that it is, then we would have this similar response. Uh, it would be less lonely because, you know, we wouldn't have to quarantine. We just have to unite for a different future. But 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 like the show would stop going on and we'd really transform. And that's really what we need. Uh, and so I guess what do we do? I mean, I, I guess what I've been doing and I, I have some quarantine tips for y'all. Um, and this is, I guess, for people, I, I don't really know what people who are having an existential threat to their lives are going through, you know, people who can't pay their bills, people who are going through this virus. But I guess, you know, I'm sending my love and support to those folks um, promoting your GoFundMes as much as I can though the government should be taking care of that for you, but we live in a society, as they say. But for for everyone who is just kind of bored at home and kind of feeling really lonely, my quarantine tips are, I guess, make some goals for yourself weekly, daily. Um, I have some, I've made, I made a little quarantine survival list. I'm a list maker, made a quarantine survival list for myself um, weekly, daily, and then through by the end of the quarantine. A lot of these are climate related of things that I want to do. Um, some of these are ambitious and, and things that I can do based on what I've built, but everyone can have their own thing. I'd, I'd say for me, for example, I really want to write and educate folks about how 
this intertwines with, you know, climate change and solving that. So I made a goal for myself that I'm going to write one article a week and try hopefully to publish one article a week. And I'm holding myself to it. And maybe that's not for you. Maybe you'll do something else weekly. Um, but but kind of hold a goal for yourself and, and use, hopefully, if you have the internet at your disposal, I don't know how else you would be listening to this, but um, write a weekly goal for yourself and write a daily goal for yourself. One can be fun. One can be, I'm going to, you know, learn a new dance move every day. And by the time the quarantine's over, I'm going to be really freaking good at dancing. Um and then maybe another is like, I'm going to do one thing for the climate each day or write something about this or educate someone about how this intertwines and just make little blocks for yourself, make little lists so that you take this opportunity to grow the movement and grow yourself as a person so that you've leveled up by the time that this is over um, and take like the solitary time to work on yourself, to work on the movement, to work on educating about climate, to work on how we can use this moment in time to create the change that we need so we don't have to keep having these crises over and over again so we don't have to have more suffering you can do that and then just like facetime people skype people the youth have been having like skype parties with different themes we had a 20s theme party people wore weird hats and we just laughed and spammed each other on twitter and it was a good time and so you can have stuff like that with your community and that'll stave away the loneliness for a bit. And then we just got to keep going through it. But those are just some things that have helped me and things that I've been thinking about. Yeah, that's definitely great, Jamie. I I also think that one thing that I love to do is journaling, which I have found that I don't have as much time to do in college. But now that I am in quarantine and am not having classes anymore, I can do that. Also, although we are self-quarantining, if you're able too you can still go outside in your lawn it's going to be getting warm outside you can do some gardening at your house get in touch with nature going to explore photography myself um, in my yard and around the house see how that goes but yeah definitely um picking up hobbies now's the time but also definitely one thing that people can do is work with us at zero hour we are on zoom and we would love to work with you. Uh, so check out our website, this is zerohour.org to get involved with what we're doing. We're still gonna be organizing. This movement is not going anywhere, even in the quarantine. So we would love to work with you. Reach out to us. We are very responsive and we will still be working on everything leading up to the election because we are going to be voting uh, in 2020 still, even if the primaries are being moved because of this virus, our government continues and we need to be ready for when this quarantine ends. We know that the climate crisis isn't going anywhere. We're not going anywhere either. We are going to keep fighting this and we are going to be here for you. Uh, we want to build community with you. We want to be in this fight with you and we're here to listen. So join us. Yeah. And something that I've been doing more often is um, cleaning and, you know, like organizing my space. That's something that I've been doing. It's been really helpful to me. Um, I do think that this time is a good time for education. And um, in terms of that, like educating yourself on different issues and learning um, more about Zero Hours platform and what we stand for. And you can do that. At this is zerohour.org slash hour dash platform. And so, like, learning more about why the movement is fighting for certain things, but also, like, 
just sitting down and educating others as well because so many people have been getting on FaceTimes with their friends and Zoom parties. It's a really good time and space to educate each other and engage people in conversations that we've been having for a while so that when we are able to, you know, get out of quarantine again, I'm not sure when that will be, but um, when that does happen, people will be able to to physically mobilize and mobilize outside of digital spaces as well while already having that um, that knowledge that um, we're trying to get people to, to get for a while. And um, you can do that through the Getting to the Roots of Climate Change campaign that we have, as well as a new campaign that we have coming out soon um, that has a lot of education around the Green New Deal, um, the, the misconceptions of the Green New Deal and what the Green New Deal actually stands for. Yeah, also just to add on to that, I think that now is definitely a great time to draft letters to your elected officials. And I say draft because I don't think you should send it yet because I think that it will get lost in the chaos of addressing the virus right now. But if you do draft a letter to multiple different policymakers, whether it's the state level, your federal officials, uh, whatever, on climate change, and you just talk about the need for implementing the ideals of a Green New Deal. Or if you know about a specific bill that was supposed to get voted on or is supposed to be heard, you can write to them about that and draft your letter. Wait till the dust has settled on the issues that we're currently addressing right now with the coronavirus and send it off. And if everyone does that, and is drafting their letters right now. Once this crisis ends, we'll be having a mass effort to address climate change. And that is a great way to push elected officials to do something on climate change. Well, let's say once we get through this coronavirus thing, it's not the time to exhale and let, go back to business as usual. I think we can do this in a way that business as usual has been disrupted once and for all. And we can do this. We can really channel this into solving the next crisis, the big one, the one that intersects with everything, because otherwise we're just going to have more quarantines. We're going to have more crises. We're going to have more people hurting. And so another thing that you can do if you're looking for a community is you can uh, interact with us on social media. We're at this zero hour um, the at sign and then this is your hour on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can just interact with us there and maybe DM us some of your artwork. You know, I heard a lot of people are, this is a great time to, to do maybe art about the causes you care about. And we'd love to see that. So like send us some of your artwork, maybe inspired by your movement, maybe inspired by other things. Um, reach out to us if you want to volunteer. And this is just a great time to really get involved. And the great thing is that a lot of things are on digital spaces. So you can reach out to those people that you've always wanted to reach out to, but you never got the time because now we have an abundance of time. So we hope that this podcast or this first episode has been really helpful for you, at least understanding that you're not alone going through everything, uh, maybe some tips to help you get through the quarantine. And this is just the first of many podcasts. Um, we are teenagers, just like yourself, if you are a teenager listening. So we will be putting out podcasts as much as we can, when we can. 
And so just keep tuning in here for Zero Hour Talks. You can find us at our website at This Is Zero Hour. You can find us on social media at This Is Zero Hour on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And go to our website, thisiszerohour.org to get involved and plug in with the movement. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. This has been episode one of Zero Hour Talks zero hours podcast you can tune in here where you are listening for all of our future episodes we will be continuing to put out podcasts as much as we can we are busy teenagers just like yourself if you are a teenager listening so we will just do our best to get as many out as possible for you guys plug in get involved and find resources to help us build this mass movement and we just want you all to remember that this movement is digital, and now that we are all moving to digital, we can still be community, and we are happy to hear from you always. And as always, music is super important to our movement and to all movements. So here is Two Minutes to Midnight by Ariel Martinez-Cohen, our music director. The clock, tick, tick, ticks, one, two, three, four, five, six, eyes are all clock tick 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 stomach is feeling sick under the covers you lie then the phone it starts to ring someone screaming it's two minutes to Two minutes to midnight
Zero Hour Talks is produced by Goal 17, storytellers for the common good.